there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. I want to speak on the subject, a kingdom legacy. Somebody say, a kingdom legacy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. Use me to speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Martin Luther King is remembered for fighting for equality, regardless of one's race in America. Here in Kenya, we have Wangari Mathai, who is remembered for leading a vigorous campaign against the construction of a multi-billion complex at Nairobi's Hurupak and the fraudulent allocation of Karura Forest to private developers. Louis Breo, who is a French educator, is remembered for inventing Braille, which is a reading and writing system for the blind. Mother Teresa, everybody knows her, is remembered for her selfless acts of service to the poor. Walt Disney captured our imagination with animated cartoon films with characters such as Mickey Mouse, and Donald Duck. Now, this is only for the legends. Because our, our children don't understand this. They just know SpongeBob. Johnny Bravo. <laughs> and the rest. But there are also people who are also remembered for bad things. Not just good things, but bad things that they did. In June 28th, 1914, a Bosnian sub-youth by the name Gavrilo Princip, aged only 19, shot and killed the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the heir apparent to the Austrian throne and his wife Sophie, as their motor gets snaked through the streets of Sarajevo. His cold-blooded murder is what triggered World War I. Adolf Hitler is remembered for presiding over the Holocaust, which was the systematic state-sponsored persecution and murder of six million Jews. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a choice to make, either to be remembered because of the good things you have done or to be remembered because of the bad things that you have done. I have a question for you this night. How do you want to be remembered? What do you want to leave behind that will be a talking point for the generations to come? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Because you'll not be here forever. Tell your neighbor, time is running out. You see, most of us are caught up in the now that we rarely think about our legacy. We rarely think about what we should be remembered for. But it is important for us to note that our time here is limited. I grew up knowing Queen Elizabeth, but now she's no more. I grew up knowing a guy by the name Abedi Pele. Now he's no more. Kasavuli, our darling. She's no more. 
Pope Benedict is no more. Yonggi Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world, is no more. Some of us can remember our friends who are no more. Family members who left us. Workmates that we knew, but they are no more. This is to remind us that our time here is limited. It's just the other day you were born. It's just the other day people came to the hospital, your aunties, and they were talking about your chubby cheeks while you are kicking the air and crying. Just the other day, you know, you were being given milk by your mother. You were given Cerelac. Do we have Cerelac babies here? I remember when I was growing up, there was a, there was a Jewish called Treetop. Do we have treetop babies in this house? When I grew up, when I was growing up, as we used to use napkins. Yeah, as we don't know this thing called diapers. It was napkin. You remember, how, how many napkin babies are here? Uh, don't be ashamed of your napkins. And they were white in color. I mean, it's just the other day. Before, before long, you went to primary school. Nursery, then primary school. Before long, you went to high school. You remember when you went to Form 1 with that metallic box with shopping? Do you remember? Why are you not responding to me? Do you, do, do, do you remember? It's just the other day. Yeah, me, I remember I cried. I cried, and I was, I was asking my mom, why? Why are you sending me away? <laughs> I'm supposed to live with you. You know? It's just the other day. Then you graduated. Then you went to the university. For those who went to the university. And, and graduated. Then you moved out. Then you got a bed sitter. Most of you started with a bed sitter. I know you. Oh, single room. What is the difference between bed sitter and single room? I thought bed sitter is still a single room. Eh? Then you really started badly. <laughs> May God have mercy on you. Single room. Then you moved to bed sitter. You felt like you were in heaven. Then you move to a, a one-bedroom. Hey. Double room. Hey. Life was very tough on you. Then from double room, one bedroom. Wow. Then you fell in love. Then you got married. Then you got children. Wow. Then the cycle started again. You placed your children on your lap, carrying them. Before long, they started walking. 
Wow. And as they were walking, in fact, before walking, they started crawling. And as they were crawling, they were crawling away from you. Then they started walking. Then they were walking away. Then they went to school. Then people meet you and say, hey, your children are growing. They don't say you're growing old. They say, oh, your children are grown. The other day I met somebody and told me, oh my goodness, I saw your son. Your son is tall. But they don't say you're growing old. Because you, you might not be growing height-wise, but other things are growing. <laughs> other things are aging. And before you know it, your children are out. And you realize you're running out of time. A new generation appears on the scene. You used to call other people old. The people you used to call old are no more. You have covered the gap. Now you are the one that people are saying, hey, you are old. You know, when I was celebrating my, I think it was 40th or something, birthday, and some of my nephews came for that birthday. And one of them looked at me and he was very concerned. That's me, uncle. At how old are you again? When I said, he said, hey. Wow. Uncle, you are old. <laughs> I could see he was so concerned. But you see, that's how life is. And if, if, if you're not careful, you'll want to wake up when it's too late. When you've really run out of time and you have to say bye to this world. Tell your neighbor for me, you're aging gracefully. They didn't hear you. Tell them one more time. You are aging gracefully. And so it's important for you to think about legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? Psalms 146, verse 3 and verse 4. Give me from the King James Version of the Bible. This is what the Bible says. Psalms 146, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, put not your trust in princes, nor in the son of man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth. He returneth to his earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. I want to focus on that second part. His breath goeth, excuse me, goeth forth. He returneth to his earth. And in that very day, his thoughts perish. That means there is a time that each and every one of us must face when you have to go or you have to return to the earth. Now, when you return to the earth, the Bible says that very day, your thoughts will perish. Once you are dead, what was in your mind 
will never be known. Because your thoughts will perish. Once you are dead, the great ideas that were in your head, beautiful thoughts that were in your head, will never be known. Because the Bible says, in that very day, his thoughts perish. When you visit a cemetery or a gravesite, as you read the names of the departed on the tombstone, you never get to know their wonderful thoughts. No matter how great they were, no matter how beautiful those thoughts were, you never get to know what this man or what this woman was thinking about in their heads. Some of them had thoughts, great thoughts, great ideas of building, of establishing something, of accomplishing something. But because they are dead, as the Bible says, their thoughts have perished. It is the end of their thoughts. It is the end of their legacy. It is the end of their lives. So that means if they had thoughts of building a beautiful family, it is over. If they had thoughts of writing books, they have run out of time. If they had wonderful thoughts of writing songs and singing them so they may bless many people, it is too late. It can be done. If they had thoughts of wonderful businesses and companies that they wanted to establish, they cannot reverse time. It is too late. If they had wonderful sermons that they wanted to preach, if they, they, they had thoughts of wonderful, you know, churches that they wanted to plant and build, it is too late. Time can never be reversed. That's why the Bible says, in that day when they return to the earth, their thoughts perished. Ladies and gentlemen, your legacy is your thoughts incarnate. You are remembered or you will be remembered for the thoughts that you are able to implement, great ideas that you are able to implement, the values that you worked on, the faith that you lived by, the commitment that you stood for, which will become building blocks for the next generation. Touch your neighbor for me and tell them, don't rob the next generation. There are three types of people in the world. Number one, those without a legacy. There is very little or nothing to write home about their lives. They were not very intentional about leaving a mark in this world. They came. They were not strategic. They didn't explore their gifts. They didn't explore their potential. They didn't work on their calling. And time came for them to say bye. And so there's nothing to really write about them. As soon as they were lowered six feet under, it was over. They are like the proverbial Simon Maconde, who was born on a Monday, named on a Tuesday, married on Wednesday, fell ill on a Thursday, was treated on a Friday, but unfortunately, he died on a Saturday, and he was buried on a Sunday. Touch your neighbor and tell them, don't be Simon 
Makonde. Simon never left anything concrete or significant for the next generation to build on. He came and within a very short time he was gone. We don't hear anything about his gifts, about his talents, about what he did, what he left behind, how he was able to leave behind something that the next generation can be able to build on. It's like some of these guys we see in the Bible. Genesis chapter 5 from verse 6. Genesis chapter 5 from verse 6, if you can take me there quickly. Of some of these guys who were born and they came and they lived for many years and then they just disappeared. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years and then he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahal Mahalalil. After he begot Mahalalil, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. Mahalalil lived 65 years and begot Jared. After he begot Jared, Mahalalil lived 830 years. And had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalil were 895 years and he died. Jared lived 162 years. <laughs> These people are living. <laughs> and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years. And he died. And Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch, look at Enoch, he's different. Something he did. Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So on top of giving birth, there is something that he did that we can remember him for. He left a legacy of walking with God, serving God, and living for God. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. Amen? Look at a neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, give birth to children, but also walk with God. Then Methuselah, verse 25. Lived 187 years and begot Lamech. After he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. So we need to do something significant. We need to leave a legacy. Because there are people who come and they go. 
without leaving a legacy. So that's the first group of the people we have in the world. Secondly, those who delay to craft a legacy. Those who delay to craft a legacy. They think about it when it is too late. When they are on their deathbed or when they run out of time, the doctor tells them you have three months to leave or two months to leave or one year to leave. That's when they wake up and realize I need to do something that I can be remembered for. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. The Bible says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Look, this is the scripture I'm reading. Amen? Some of you look already depressed. But I'm telling you the truth. Tell your neighbor, that is where you are going. That's what the Bible is saying. Whatever your hand finds to do, that means you have to do it now. You have to wake up and do it now. Don't wait until it is too late. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. What you need to do has to be done now. Because you are running out of time. Hallelujah. If you are doing badly, at least you should get children. Look at your neighbor and tell them, for heaven's sake, do something. <laughs> Hallelujah. These brothers who are delaying marriages, do something in the year 2023. At least if you're doing badly. Number three. Those keen on leaving a great legacy. They constantly think of what they should be remembered for. Have you ever sat down and thought about what you should be remembered for? The kind of legacy that you want to leave behind. These are those who are constantly thinking about what shall I be remembered for? By my family, by my children, by my friends. What is this one thing, two things, three things that I want them to remember me for? They live a life driven, sorry, they live a purpose driven life and live a very rich legacy worth emulating. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 26, the NIV translation of the Bible puts it this way. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer huh? beating the air. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. It's like I, I have no purpose. I have no aim. I'm just living life without strategizing on who I should become and what legacy I should be able to craft for myself. He says, I'm very intentional. That's what Paul is saying. I'm very intentional the way I live my life. So, the people who think about the kind of legacy they want to leave behind, they, they are very intentional with their decisions. They are very intentional with how they structure their lives. Every year counts. You see, if you're not careful, 2023 will just be another year which will come and go. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
If you're not careful, it will just be like any other year that you have all... You know, we, we, we celebrate when we are crossing to the new year. People come up with resolutions, but because they are not intentional, their lives never change. They remain the same. So if you're not intentional about your life, if you're not purpose-driven as far as your life is concerned, you will not leave a very rich legacy behind. Paul says, I'm not living my life like somebody who is just running aimlessly. I have a focus, I have a goal, I have an aim. There's something I'm aiming at and I must get it. No wonder he left a very rich legacy. Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, we must think strongly about the legacy we want to leave behind because we have a cloud of witnesses all around us. We have friends who are watching us. Our children are looking up to us. Our colleagues are looking up to us. Everybody here, you have a secret admirer. Everybody here, you have a secret admirer. There is somebody who looks at you and says, I want to be like this person. I'm telling you. They might not tell you, but somebody is looking at you and saying, I want to be like this person. They look at your marriage and say, I want my marriage to be like this marriage. They look at the way you conduct yourself, the way you carry yourself. You know, and they say, I want to be like this particular person. And so you must be very intentional about how you live because somebody is watching. Look at anybody and tell them somebody is watching you. You know, one time another pastor sent me a message that was very scary. He told me, please, for do everything you can and don't drop the ball. Because some of us are looking up to you. That's what he told me. Don't drop the ball. Don't mess it. If you mess it, you will interfere with many things about some of us. So you have to stay on course. You have to keep on preaching. You have to watch yourself. Because if you, you fail, some of us might even fail. It was very scary. Send me that message. So everybody here, you have a secret admirer. Yeah, somebody is looking at, at you and he says, I think I want to be like this, this particular person. They might not tell you, but they are just watching you from afar. So you have to be very intentional about how you live your life. Amen. Tell you never be intentional. Are we together so far? Can we go a little bit deeper? Now, your legacy is in two forms. Number one is a personal legacy. A personal legacy captures your life and the lessons learned along the way. It highlights the things that were most important to you that you want immortalized. This can be intangible gifts such as values, memories, principles, insights, and invaluable lessons that you want to hand down to the next generation. It can also entail material things such as a gift or an inheritance that you want to hand down to the next generation. For example, you can decide that I want to leave a rich legacy of houses to the next generation. That my children will never live in a rented house. May, 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 may God bless you that you leave such a rich heritage for your children in Jesus' name. Can I hear louder amen in this house? Or you can, reach, you can leave a very rich legacy of, of land. Yeah, your, your children have lots of land because you've left that legacy behind for them. 
You know, I, I, I was having a conversation with somebody and he was telling me he has never seen the inside of a matatu. But some of us, we live. <laughs> we know all the stickers. <laughs> but let me tell you, you can change the trajectory of your lineage. And you can leave behind a very rich legacy that will make your children escape some things. I prophesy, 2023, you are leaving a rich legacy that will make your lineage escape some things in the name of Jesus. Can I hear louder amen in this house? Oh, yes. And don't blame some people because of their parents. For some of us, we are mad with some children. Oh, these are spoiled children. Spoiled. They cannot survive in this world. They will survive. You know, you can survive because of problems. Which can toughen you to survive. But also you can survive because life is sweet. <laughs> Look at your neighbor, tell them you can choose. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh yes, you can leave a legacy that when your children are getting married, you don't give them glasses. One day, on 7th of April, 2001, I got married at around midday. We went for honeymoon, then we came back. We started opening gifts. My friend, box number one, glasses. Box number two, glasses. Box number three, glasses. Box number four, glasses and a movie. Nigerian movie. It was a long tape, a cassette, Nigerian movie. Suicide Mission. <laughs> I told my wife, let us watch this movie. We couldn't finish it. I wondered the intention of that person. People have just gotten my... How do you send them a movie with the title Suicide? Goodness. We are changing that trajectory. I prophesy you will leave a rich legacy for your children. Shout a louder amen in this house. Not glasses. Or slippers. Or debts. And beds and mattresses. Tell your neighbor, I refuse in the name of Jesus. You are changing the story in your family. Your children will be glad that you are their father, you are their mother in the name of Jesus. 
I see you handing keys to a house to your children. Keys of a car to your children. Title deeds to your children. Shout a louder amen in this house. Give somebody high five and tell them I'm changing this thing. Rich legacy. Rich, rich legacy. Hand over the legacy of wealth and riches. Oh, we are going to have a good time. I've just started. I'm going to do a series. Yes. Rich legacy. Because most of us, the only legacy you know is the legacy of poverty. That's what you are given. Yes. If people can give, if people can hand over the legacy of poverty, you should also decide to hand over the legacy of wealth. A good man leaves poverty. Debts, struggles, hustling. He lives what? An inheritance, not even to his children. He has gone beyond the children. Now he is affecting the grandchildren. That's how you know you are blessed. I prophesy over your life. Your grandchildren will be blessed. Because you're living a rich legacy. Shout a louder amen in this house. Shout a louder amen in this house. Give somebody a high five and tell them I'm changing the story of my family. Sit down. Number two. So your legacy is in two forms. Number one, it's a personal legacy. How you want to be remembered as a person. And secondly is a kingdom legacy. A kingdom legacy is more superior than a personal legacy. It entails the great works that you do or you did for God. That will live on long after you are gone both on earth and in heaven. This legacy is not just limited here on earth. It transcends time. And it becomes real and relevant in eternity. A kingdom legacy incorporates the passing down of kingdom values. Making kingdom investments and fulfilling kingdom assignments. That become an unending legacy on earth and in eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to have personal, we need to have a personal legacy, but more importantly, we need to have a kingdom legacy that will outlive us and it will never lose relevance. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. This is what the Bible says. Give me the scripture. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13. That each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. 
So your work, the authenticity of your work, the durability of your work will be revealed by fire. Because there is a day that everything that you did must be tested. There is a day that every work you performed here on earth must go through the fire. The Bible says, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Verse 14. Okay, scary, yeah? If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, hmm, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So you will escape, yes, but we will be talking about some of the things we used to see you do, and we'll be telling you, Kumbe, you are not genuine. Because you didn't think about a kingdom legacy. You didn't think about things that you need to do that have eternal value. The things that will outlive your stay here on earth. That as you step into eternity, they will still speak for you. May God have mercy on us. So not every work, not every deed, not every accomplishment, not every success will survive that fire. It is only that which has a kingdom connection that will survive the fire. I want to leave a legacy here, but I also want when I step into eternity, that legacy is still relevant. Because death is not the end of life. Death is a transition. The way we are moving from 2022 to 2023, that's what happens when you die. You have made a transition from this physical realm into the spiritual realm. So I want when I move, when I make that transition, when I get there, I find that my legacy is still alive. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And we'll look at some of the things that we need to do here that will have eternal value. Because we are talking about a kingdom legacy. Talk to me somebody. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. The Bible says, do not lay up for yourselves, for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So there are things that we must do that will not be affected by moth, will not be affected by rust, and will not be stolen by thieves. These three things, the moth, the rust, and thieves, are things that can wipe out your legacy. What is a moth? A moth is a symbol of destruction that causes frailty and waste. Moths are tiny insects that lay eggs mostly in woolen clothes and lava that results when the eggs hatch, feed on the cloth, and finally ruins the fabric. Anything that you do, ladies and gentlemen, that has no kingdom connection is temporal. Let me say it again. Anything that you do 
that doesn't have a kingdom connection attached to it, I'm telling you it is temporal. It will be wiped out. You will step into, the, into eternity and realize how useless that thing is. The moth has destroyed it. What is rust? Rust represents anything that eats into and destroys things which are more durable than clothing. Because rust will always affect metal. And metal is a bit stronger than fabric, isn't it? So rusting or oxidation corrodes all metal, including silver and even gold. James chapter 5, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, Come now, you rich, weep and hold for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. So he's talking to the rich here and there's nothing wrong with being rich. But they had allowed riches to steal their hearts from having Total devotion and commitment to God. And so they trusted in their riches. And when they died and stepped into eternity, they realized that rust had already destroyed their riches because they didn't have, their riches didn't have a kingdom connection. Look, the money that you have, the gold that you have, the silver that you have, if it doesn't have any kingdom connection to it, the moment you leave here, it is over. When you go to your account in heaven, it is empty. There is nothing there. That's why Jesus said you have to be careful about the rust. You have to be careful about the moth. Make sure that what you are doing here has a kingdom connection to it so that up there, you are making some deposits. Are we together, somebody? Otherwise, your garments will be eaten. Your gold will be corrupted. Your silver will be corroded. Because rust is real. Tell your neighbor, rust is real. Then Jesus mentions thieves. I'm sure most of us have an, have an encounter with a thief. You've had an encounter with a thief before. Isn't it? Somebody has stolen something from you. And you felt very bad. Very, very, very bad. Somebody snatching a phone from your hand. You know, somebody conning you some money. You know? I was reading a story of a lady who was conned, I think, some millions by guys who pretended were coming from another church and they wanted to buy goods from that lady. And she accepted the, 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 the check from those guys because they claimed they were coming from a particular church. And when she went to bank the, the, the checks, they were accepted. But the, these guys, because they were cons, they went and canceled the checks. And she had already delivered the goods. You know, thieves are real. And thieves are there. And thieves are not very far. They're even in the church. That's why when you worship, you worship while holding your pocket, holding your phone, holding, clutching your, uh, uh, holding your, clutching on your handbag very tightly. Because you don't want to make assumption. Isn't it true? Because if you put your phone and you close your eyes and you lift up your hand, when you open, when you say amen, The phone has disappeared. I remember one time somebody stole my 3310 Nokia. 
And I have never forgotten. It was very painful. Because it was very expensive. Those days, Nokia 3310. Those are the phones when you remove like this. People, people know you have made it. Those days, they know this one. This one has made it. Yeah. It was a particular tone. Very nice. And one time I was walking on the streets of Nairobi. Some young men came and surrounded me. You know. When I came to my senses. <laughs> they, took, they had taken my Nokia 3310. Let me tell you, I felt so bad. And I started praying. I said, Lord, wherever they are, as they are crossing the road. <laughs> you know those prayers you make for your enemies? Dangerous prayers, I'm telling you. Those are prayers of termination. So thieves are real. And Jesus is warning us that if you just keep your treasures here, thieves will get to those treasures and steal them. So this Three metaphors, the moth, the rust, and thieves merge into one lesson. The futility of an earthly-centered life or an earth-centered life with no kingdom connection. These three stealthy destroyers demonstrate the folly of not building a kingdom legacy with what God has given to us. Anything, ladies and gentlemen, that has no kingdom connection will not last. Anything that has the kingdom of God attached to it, it is indestructible. It won't be destroyed by the moth. It won't be destroyed by rust. And it won't be destroyed or stolen by thieves. When you step into eternity, you find that your legacy lives on. I pray that all of us here, as we step into eternity, we will find that our legacy is still alive. In Jesus' name. Shout a louder, amen. Maybe some of you don't understand what I'm talking about. Let's break it down. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter number 4. Ask your neighbor, are we together? What did he say? Huh? He said yes. Beautiful. Genesis chapter 4 from verse 4. The Bible says, give me. Um, Abel also brought. Go back to verse 3. Let's see. And. Okay, let's start from verse 1 so we can get the story. Let's start from verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man. She prophesied. I have acquired a man from the Lord. Verse 2. Then she bore again, this time his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Up to there, you will think that Cain is already marked for greatness because even the mother prophesied. For Abel, she did not say anything. She didn't say anything. Some of the people that you thought will never amount to anything, they are the ones that God has earmarked for greatness. Yeah. When I read this, I, I was so amazed that the mother prophesied over Cain. 
but never said anything concerning Abel. Then she bore again this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, switch the version to K KJV. Switch the version. Switch it. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit. Somebody say fruit. Say it again, fruit. Say it again, fruit. Say it loudly, fruit. He brought the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. Verse 4. Look at these two offerings. And Abel, he also brought of fastlings, of the fastlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. I mean, these are things they are doing on earth. But it got God's attention in heaven. Oh, you're, you, 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 you're not understanding what I'm saying. It looks very ordinary. In the process of time, it's time to worship. Let's go before God. Me, I'm giving him a fruit. But Abel says, no, no, me, I'm giving him fatlings and the fat thereof. And they thought what they were doing here on earth would just stay here on earth without knowing that up there, Something was happening. God was watching to see what these two people were doing. So you might think that what you're doing stays here. But let me tell you, up there, there is a record. There's somebody that is watching. God is watching to see if he should credit what you are doing to your account or not. He's watching. Look at him and tell them, God is watching. But unto Cain, God refused to receive his offering. He refused. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. He was mad because God registered his displeasure towards his offering. There are three things I want us to see from this verse, even as I conclude my message today. Number one, Cain was casual about his giving. Very casual. That's why he picked a fruit and brought it before God. He didn't even think about it. He didn't even ask himself, will God receive this thing? Will God receive this offering? Is it something that God deserves to be given? He didn't even think about all that. He just picked a fruit. He was very casual about his giving. But Abel was well prepared for this moment. That's why the Bible says he chose the best fatlings. That means he has been growing his animals for this particular moment. He chose the fatlings. Fatlings are those which, the animals which are being fattened in readiness for slaughter. He was fattening these animals because he knew a day is coming. I have to stand before God and offer this offering to him. You see, when you understand this, you realize that the time for offerings is a very important moment. It's not just something we do here on earth. There is somewhere, there is somebody somewhere who is looking down on us to see how we are giving our offerings to him. 
Cain was casual. Abel was well prepared. He was prepared for this moment. That's why he prepared these animals. He fattened them. I don't know what he was giving these animals, but they were fat. Very, very fat. And that's what he brought before God. Let me just pause for a moment and say this, that God loves fat things. Please, if you're here and you're fat, God loves you. (laughs) So we must be prepared if we're going to leave a legacy. Kingdom legacy or not, we must be prepared. Look at your neighbor and tell them preparation is important. Yeah, we must be prepared. We can't come before God casually. We cannot serve God casually. We cannot live a Christian life casually. We must be prepared for the moment. When God requires something from us, we are ready for him. Because we are not doing it for man. We are doing it for the Lord. You are not singing for man. You are singing for God. You are not serving for the pastor to see you. You are serving so that God may see you. And he may put something in your account in heaven. When you reach there, you find that your legacy lives on. You see, Cain just thought what he was doing was an earthly thing, but it was not. It was a very spiritual thing. And when it comes to us walking with God, serving God, living for God, I want you to know that it's a very spiritual thing. And God is watching. No wonder the Bible says God respected. He respected the offering that Abel gave, but he did not respect what Cain did. Number two, Cain was stingy. He picked a fruit. One fruit. Those days, you know, there were not many on the face of the earth, so they had huge chunks of land. I'm sure Cain had a big land that he had planted all these different types of fruits. But he only picked one to bring to the Lord. He was stingy. But look at Abel. The Bible says he was extravagant. Abel brought fatlings. And then he also added something else. What else did he add? He added something else. Another fatling. Because the Bible uses fatlings, not just fatling. Fatlings. He added another fatling, another fatling, another fatling. So he brought fatlings. Plural. Cain brought a fruit. Singular. Abel brought fatlings. Plural. He was extravagant. He brought more than one. He sacrificed more than one animal to bring before God. In other words, Cain was stingy but Abel was generous. Ask your neighbor for me, are you stingy or generous? Let me tell you, there are people who can be stingy. Some of you, you were stingy in 2022. 2023, please don't be stingy. Oh my goodness. You're even stingy with your amends. I say, if you are stingy in 2022, 2023, become generous in the name of Jesus. Because generosity will make you live 
a kingdom legacy. Hey, I love my preaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there are people who are just generally stingy. And I think, I think it's because of how you grew up, how you were raised, your parents were stingy, you are also stingy, whatever. Because sometimes when I look at some families and I see the way they are struggling, I can tell that that family is stingy. I can tell they are stingy. You know, their families, they never even invite people in their homes for anything. Oh, the silence. There are people who will never invite you in their home for anything. A cup of tea, lunch, dinner, nothing. They want you to invite them. But they will never invite anyone in their houses. No wonder they are poor. And do you know their excuses? We don't have enough to share with somebody else. I wish you can share the little so that God can multiply it so that you can have more than enough in your house. But there are people who are generally stingy. Very stingy. My goodness, 2023, we are changing that trajectory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We shall not be stingy in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give somebody a five and tell them, don't be stingy. Hmm? Hmm? That's why you find even giving in church, people complain. They complain, oh, we are giving too much. You can never outgive God. Oh, the other day we were collecting an offering. Then we are collecting an offering again. Then we are collecting an offering. Then we are, uh, this church, we are just giving, 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 giving. Look, we will give until the day we will go to the grave. Because for us, it's a lifestyle. I can pray for you. I can sit on you. I can lie on you. I can anoint you. I can throw my handkerchief on your face. I can remove my coat and throw on you. But if you're stingy, you will never see prosperity in your life. God is not a respecter of persons, but he's a respecter of principles. Hey, stop being stingy. Do you want to prosper? Do you want to do well? Do you want to experience financial breakthrough? Don't be like Cain. Be like Abel. Hallelujah. So ask your neighbor, when was the last time you had a party in your house and invited people? And you footed the bill? Some of you have counted all your fingers are finished. Cain picked a fruit. That's what he brought and threw it before God. But Abel brought fatlings. Somebody say fatlings. Say again fatlings. You know, I was telling Pastor Mary when we were coming, because I was asking her, who started this initiative of buying a car for the pastor? And he told me it was Pastor Steve Kapwang. I told Pastor Mary, watch his life. 
Pastor Steve, any car you want to drive, you will drive it. Like it. You will drive. I'm telling you, you will drive it. Any car you want to drive, you will drive it. You have just disconnected your lineage from poverty. Your children will drive cars. Your grandchildren will drive cars. Your great-grandchildren will drive cars. I mean, something has just opened for you. And all those who participated, I released cars. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. May there be divine supply in your lives in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout a louder amen in this house. Tell your neighbor, it's a principle. Oh, yes. It's a principle. For God to look down and say, hi, I respect Abel. And then I respect his offering. Almighty God. Almighty God. The creator of the heaven and the earth. For him to say that, that is serious. It's a kingdom legacy. And I'll show you something here very powerful. Number three, Cain went an extra, sorry, Cain never went an extra mile, but Abel did. Abel did. Cain never went an extra mile. Look, he didn't just bring fatlings, Reverend Gure. He added the fat. He added the fat. This last week I was in Kiambu. I went to visit another pastor. Uh, he was showing me the land that he has bought. And there was a guy there who was having, um, who was having um, goats. Goats and, and sheep. And they were grazing. And then the, 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 there was also a, a crossbreed, Doba. Is it called Doba or something? Yes, and they were grazing. And I saw one particular one. It had a lot of fat behind here. I don't know how they call this thing. Kenyanya. <laughs> In English. <laughs> you see, and, and that guy was telling me, you know, this, because of this thing, this one is very expensive. Because it had a big one. So big. You could see that it was even kind of interfering with how the Kadoba was walking. And he told me, this one, because of this, some of, do you understand what I'm saying? It was this, I, I wish I can get an English. Huh? It's a very fatty tissue behind here, like a tail. And he was telling me, this particular one, ah, this one, it's very expensive because of that. You see, Abel could have decided to chop that thing. And stay with it. And only give God the other parts. But he gave the fatlings, the ones which are fat. And he also chose the ones which had, you know, extra fat behind here. I told you, God loves fat people. Extra. <laughs> Woe unto you if you are flat. But anyway, God... <laughs> And that is what he gave. He went an extra mile to give unto the Lord. 
He made sure that God saw the overflow of his generosity. You see, Cain behaved like Ananias. When he saw property, he decided to keep part of the money. But Abel said, I'm giving God all of it. He gave him the fatlings and he added the fat to it. And God was really blessed by that offering that he had respect on Abel and his offering. Amen. You see, when you don't understand this principle, you will be worn out when it comes to giving. And sometimes you'll be tempted to stay with the fat. Hmm? I'll give an offering, but I'll not give my tithe. Because this is a lot of money. How can I give 100,000? My tithe, ah, that's a lot of money. How can I give 1 million as my tithe? That's a lot of money. You're behaving like Ananias. But Abel was not like that. Because he knew, I'm not doing this for man. I'm doing this for God. I want what I'm doing to have eternal value. It's, it's a kingdom thing. Tell anybody it's a kingdom thing. <laughs> Look at Hebrews chapter 11. <sighs> 10 minutes. Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Now. Okay, give me verse 4. Let's jump to verse 4. I want us to read this scripture together. For By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead. Legacy. That what he did is still speaking. I wish I can get people who can catch what I'm preaching today. What he did many years ago is still speaking today. It's a kingdom legacy. I prophesy 2023. Everything that you do will keep on speaking. Both here on earth and in heaven as well. Long after you have gone. Your works will still speak. Your diligent service will still speak. Your generosity will still speak. Your giving will still speak. Shout a louder amen. Give somebody high five and tell them it's a kingdom legacy. Tell somebody else it's a kingdom legacy. <laughs> Give me from the NLT. This is powerful. NLT, 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 NLT. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up. No, verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Now look at the second, the, the last part. Although Abel is, Abel is long dead. He still speaks to us by his example of faith. I prophesy you shall be remembered in many generations to come because of your kingdom legacy in the name of Jesus. Give somebody a ten one more time and tell them it's a kingdom legacy. It's a kingdom legacy. It's a kingdom legacy. 
from today I will not just do something for the sake of it. I will not just serve God for the sake of it. I will not just come to church so that I may feel the pews. But everything that I do, I will connect the kingdom of God to it. I will make sure that it is a legacy. That even if I am long gone, it will keep on speaking. My children will remember me. My grandchildren will remember me. The next generation will remember me. They will remember my acts of faith. My generosity. My service to God. My prayer life. My integrity. My commitment to his house. Because it's a kingdom legacy that I'm building for the next generation. Yes. So from today, stop being casual. Don't be like Cain. Be serious. Tell your neighbor, be serious. But then let me warn you, 2023 is for serious Christians. Did you hear what I said? I said 2023 is for serious Christians. If you are not serious, you'll be left behind. If you behave like Cain, I wish I had time to break down what happened to Cain. He became bitter. He became angry because he was not getting the results that Abel was getting. You see, the difference was in the kingdom legacy that we see in between Abel and, 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 and Cain. Cain did not focus on God. He didn't think about God. He, he, did, he just did what he needed to do at that particular moment, but he was not thinking about God. But Abel was different. He was thinking about God. And so he became angry, and then he even plotted to kill his brother. But he killed his body, but he couldn't kill his legacy. <laughs> he killed his body, but he could not silence his blood. His blood was still speaking. Look, your day doesn't have to end the day you are being lowered to the grave. Your works should live on. Your service should live on. Your generosity should live on. I prophesy that that will be your story in the name of Jesus. I say that will be your story in the name of Jesus. Though you are dead, you will still be alive. And when you step in heaven, the angels will say, we have been waiting for you to show you your legacy. Unless you're not planning to go there. Huh? Are you planning to go to... Are you sure? Are you planning to go to heaven? When you get there, the angels will be waiting for you. They say, come and see the things you did for God. And then they take your works and take them through the fire. My Lord and my God. And as they are taking your works through the fire, you'll be crossing your fingers. And say, oh God, let it survive. Let it survive. Let it survive. But you see, most of the people who will be doing that are the ones who know they were not serious. But if you are serious, you will not have to cross your fingers. You will walk with confidence. Because you, knew how, you know how you lived on earth. Everything you did for God, you did it with a genuine heart. You had the attitude of Abel. And so you don't be crossing your fingers wondering what's going to happen to me. But you'll be so confident knowing that your legacy lives on, not just here on earth, 
but also in heaven. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Stand to your feet and begin to pray for yourself right now that you will leave a kingdom, kingdom, kingdom legacy in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and begin to pray right now. Is that how you pray? You'll be like Ebo. You'll be like Ebo. You'll be like Ebo. You'll be like Ebo. Father, we shall pray. We pray tonight, O oh God, my Father, that Lord, oh God, that our minds, O oh my Father, to overcome. My Father, oh Almighty, shall endeavor to overcome, to leave legacies behind them. In the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, Father, we choose, O oh God, my Father, oh Almighty, to walk as heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, Father, we choose tonight, O oh God, to walk, my Father, to overcome like heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, my Father, my tonight of faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, as we offer God our service, O oh God, to you, we shall be acceptable in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God. As Lord Jehovah God, my Father, we offer Jehovah God, my Father, our sacrifices to you. My Father, they shall be acceptable in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' oh name we pray. I say in Jesus' name we pray. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our year of being like Abel. And so for the next few seconds, we're going to do a countdown. Then I'm going to unveil the theme for the year. Is it ready? Time is really going. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're already late. Nine, 26, 25, 24. Hey, media. Move. Move. for listening to this podcast you can now get in touch with dr dazu on facebook instagram and twitter